Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. Um, I am Danny Kilgore. I am the Associate Pastor of Outreach and Missions here, and I have the blessing of sharing with you this morning. Now, I'm going to be continuing in our sermon series called The Ugly Within. Now, throughout this series, we have faced some pretty hard truths about those little ugly things that the enemy tries to use to slowly separate us from the will of God. And if you've had the opportunity to, you know, sit in on any of these past sermons, you know that we've been digging deep. We remove layer by layer the lies that try to captivate our hearts and distract us from our divine purpose. But the best part about this series is that though we are confronted with truth and conviction, each time we always leave knowing that God's love, his hope and grace overwhelmingly conquers all. And so today I continue in this series and together we will take just one more brave step. And by, no, by the end of this, we will snow and we will see that he always shows himself faithful. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you so much. We thank you for this day and we thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your presence with us. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to hear from you. God, I pray that the words of my mouth would be acceptable in your sight and that your people will hear directly from you. So God, open our hearts, open our spirits, open our minds so that we may be able to receive everything that you have in store for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so if you would, grab your Bible, uh, whether it be electronic or whatever, grab your Bible, and we're gonna walk through three scriptures, three scriptures. That's Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30 through 34, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, and Colossians 3.23. And online hosts, if you wouldn't mind dropping those in as well, that would be great. Again, that's Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30 through 34. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. And Colossians 3.23. These scriptures are going to serve as the basis for today's conversation. Now, I say conversation instead of sermon because that's what I want today to be. And matter of fact, after I'm done, we're going to have an opportunity to converse a little bit more about what I'm discussing. Okay, so we are living in perhaps one of the most bizarre times of our lives. We've got isolation, shutdown, closed until further notice, pandemic, race riots, self-quarantine, election night turned week curbside pickup, masks, virtual school, home-based working, and the list just keeps going on and on and on. I think the number of things that have impacted 2020 has hit not only our country, but our world. It's surreal. Let me see how I can describe this. It's like, It's like a frightening experience that resembles something of of a zombie apocalypse movie. That's how I feel. No, seriously. When I think of the year of 2020, I picture myself like this woman right here. Y'all know her? (laughs) 
Yeah, I feel like Michelle. I feel like her, Michonne, Michelle. I feel like her because, you know, when she first entered the scene of the Walking, any Walking Dead fans? Anybody? Okay, great. Just want to make sure I'm in good company. You know, when she first entered the scene, she was this woman that was committed to just, you know what, all this is happening, I'm just going to pretend like I'm dead. I'm going to live amongst the dead. And as the show went on, some power within her, she pulled herself out of that and became one of the most influential characters of the show. But you can't help but to experience that 2020 makes you feel like you're walking with the dead. Now, all jokes aside, this, isn't, this year isn't anything what we envisioned it would be. This year has been challenging. The fear, stress, uneasiness about everything has started to take a toll on us. It's taken a toll on our hearts, our minds, our spiritual foundation. And as a result, we are noticing some pretty ugly things about our spiritual character. So for some of us, we've turned to rage and anger like Pastor Ben spoke about. Others have found means to cope that aren't always connected to the will of God, as Michael, our worship director, talked about. Or maybe some of us have been so inundated with worry and fear that we haven't even invited God into our space, like Pastor Jeff spoke about last week. But there's one more, just one more, I'd like us to talk about. One that you might not even notice as an issue, but it is probably one of the most devastating places a believer can be in, in their walk. So the title of my sermon or this conversation is, I don't feel like it. Or, I don't feel like it. All right, so show of hands, show your hands if you found yourself saying that at least once or twice these past eight months. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like it, right? Yeah, it's okay, honest hands. I know I have for sure. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it has become a trending hashtag on Instagram. Hashtag, I don't feel like it. Our motivation levels go from one to 10 too often than they should. Now, I know there are some medical reasons that can lead a person to be in a more mentally or physically uh, debilitating state. So let me be clear, that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm speaking about slothfulness. Slothfulness. Now, this isn't a term that we often use in our day-to-day -day vocabulary, okay? As a matter of fact, slothfulness sounds real King James, like, giveth thy slothfulness. Like, <laughs> no, no one says that. No one's talking like that on a day-to-day -day basis, right? And if you've ever even heard sloth, you've, before now, you've probably thought about this right here, right? Let me say, you've probably heard about this picture. This guy right here, right? A sloth. Yeah, that's probably when you mention like, oh yeah, sloth. That's a picture of a really cute animal, but he's actually, or she's actually the most slowest animal in the world. This animal has no internal energy whatsoever. It moves slower than a turtle and a snail combined. Now, if you have even heard of it before, you may have thought that it's just another term for laziness, right? Or passivity, but, 
In digging deeper, I actually saw that slothfulness, as the Bible defines it, is more than just laziness. Okay, so the Greek word used in scripture is Acadia, and it means the absence of care. See, sloth is more than just being lazy. Slothfulness is a sinful heart condition. So much that the early church identified slothfulness as one of the seven deadly sins. Okay, so pause. If you don't know what the seven deadly sins are, you should Google it. Not now, after my sermon. Rude. Don't do that right now. (laughs) And I only say that because that's something I would do. (laughs) I would Google it right Oh, and I would do it right now. So don't wait, wait. I need you to stay with me. Okay, stay with me. But you should definitely, if you don't know what the seven deadly sins are, you should Google them because you might be surprised at what made the list. Now, slothfulness made the list because it's found in the thing that keeps us bound up the most, and that's fear. Okay, so let me read this definition. Slothfulness is a sin against God's love in that it goes so far as to refuse the joy that comes from God, to be repelled by divine goodness. It is excessive laziness or the failure to act and utilize one's gift. The sin of slothfulness, y'all, is the refusal to experience the joy that comes from God, to be repelled, disgusted, like, ugh, by his goodness. Can you imagine that? To be disgusted by his divine goodness. I couldn't believe it. Now on the surface, someone would say, who that's a follower of Jesus would ever feel that way? But when you dig a little deeper, someone say, dig deeper, Danny. When you dig a little deeper, (laughs) oh, the conviction, the conviction that comes over you when you read about it. So let me just clarify this for us, okay? And explain what I mean. There's some ranges of slothfulness, right? There's some ranges of slothfulness. So let me read Proverbs chapter 24, 30, 34, and it says, I went past the field of sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest. And the poverty and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. I want to draw our attention to verse 33. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest. Y'all like how I say that with a southern accent, a little folding of hands. (laughs) From this, you see three ranges of slothfulness. The first one I see is physical slothfulness. That's a little sleep. You see, I see that as us neglecting our work and duties. Okay, so like growing up when I was a kid, I hated cleaning up. 
Well, I mean, still now, it's not one of my most exciting parts of the day, but when I was a kid, I hated it so much that I would do whatever I could to not do it. And my grandmother would try to motivate me and she would say, grandbaby, cleanliness is next to godliness. Now that's not scriptural, okay? It's not found anywhere in the Bible. But she was basically trying to show me that, you know, cleaning our home is an act of worship. It's us showing gratitude for the things that God has given us. And I would have much rather her say that than grandbaby, a hard head makes for a soft backside. <laughs> she would say that often too. <laughs> the second thing that I see is mental sloth. That's a little slumber. You know, this is like taking the easy way out or taking shortcuts or not trying as hard. You know, God made us, made humans intelligent and rational creatures. We're the only creatures that he gave the wonderful gift of the ability to think and learn. See, mental slothfulness is when we disregard that special attention that God gave us in creating a brain that can be filled with his wisdom, works, and wonders. See, to use our mental abilities is just another act of worship and gratitude to God. Now, this next one that I saw, I think is for Christians, is probably the worst form of sloth, and that's spiritual sloth. That's the little folding of hands to rest, neglecting to pray, read scripture, or use your God-given talents. You see, it can be so hard finding time to pray, to read your Bible, or attend church. But why is that? I think it's because we see it as work. It's just like another thing that we have to check off our never-ending to-do list. See, we can sit and watch TV or scroll through social media or read books or talk on the phone or do whatever we want to do for hours on end. But as soon as we kneel down to pray, we nod off in two minutes. Just the very thought of opening the Bible and reading oh, makes you exhausted. You become a Jedi in the grocery store when you see someone from church because you don't want them to ask you, why haven't you been there? You know, when the, the effort of spiritual formation starts to feel like work, that's when we know we're experiencing spiritual slothfulness. So what happens? What do we do when we find ourselves in one or more of these places of sloth? What are the results of slothfulness? Well, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Proverbs 24, 34 and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Family slothfulness destroys self-motivation. It causes us to be unprepared for the future. It brings unhappiness. It brings poverty. 
slothfulness causes us to make excuses for not working or using our gifts. It causes us to procrastinate and ultimately it pulls us away further and further away from the center of God's will. See, there's no room for sloth in the life of a believer. God desires for us to be filled and active in our walk. When we choose to allow our environment or our circumstances to lead us to slothful living, it stunts our spiritual growth. We start to waver and shift in our faith. Instead of praises on our lips, complaints and negativity start hurling out. But here's the encouraging part. As with any sin, just because you find yourself there now, it doesn't mean you have to stay there. See, your redemption in Christ is the very power that will draw you into repentance where he can lift us up and out of that place and back into living the life of abundancy with him. So there's a remedy that I want to share with you for slothfulness. And that's Colossians 3.23. And it says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. You see, the remedy for slothfulness is simple. First, reflect on your spiritual walk. Decide after hearing all of this, if you feel you've sunk into a place of slothfulness. And if so, be honest. See, there's no need for us to hide our sin that we struggle with from God. He already knows. You see, being honest about our sinful ways is more about us than him. When I'm honest with myself, I can allow God to transform me through my confession. And the third thing we have to do is confess. We must confess our sins to God. You see, confessing our sin is the key back to him. Praying and asking God to forgive us and to help us change is a part of our Christian walks. See, we aren't perfect. He doesn't expect us to be. He expects us, though, to allow him to be the number one priority in our lives and to trust him in everything that we do. And if we ask anything according to the will of God, we know we have what we ask for. Family, if we ask God to help us to overcome slothfulness and to be a more diligent and productive servant of his, God will answer that prayer. And when he does, we must humbly submit to his ways. Remind yourself that serving God diligently with gladness is an act of worship. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Don't let sloth be our weapon against the tricks of schemes of the enemy. Don't let these hard times shake us up and paralyze us. Don't let us become one of the people in The Walking Dead. Instead, like the song we sing says, let praise be our weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. 
Let faith be the song that conquers the raging sea. Let faith be the song that calms the storm inside of me. Family, we are in a tough season of life. It's easy to get bogged down and unmotivated. There will come times when we feel like we lack energy. But when that happens, immediately pray for the strength for the Lord. Pray for the grace to get done everything that needs to get done. And pray for the inner joy to praise him through it all, even when you don't feel like it. So that then we can stand up with hearts full of love and say, as King David said in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul maketh boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Family, wake up dry bones. Be alive in him. Rise up, saints of God. We shall not let a rock cry out in our place. We will lift up our voices like a trumpet in Zion and declare that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever.